ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? I know it's hypocritical to point fingers at the people who point fingers. But when we all march to the beat of the same different drummer, yeah, the steps start to come off like clockwork. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. The Aggies put up 186 yards of offense to Appalachian State. Jimbo Fisher's contract is $95 million guaranteed. Clemson is 2-0 and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. We are the Clemson Podcast, and we are here to recap a wild week two in college football and a very strange week in Clemson football. It's our Furman recap, Ben. Before we get started, definitely want to kick it over to you here. Uh, but I wanted to address the situation happening right now with Brian Bruzzi's sister, Ella. Um, Brian has left the team to be with family as Ella is back in the hospital. Everyone knows she has a life-threatening cancer situation. Um, sending our well with wishes from the podcast here to the Bruzzi family, to Brian, and our very best to Ella. Um, ben, he's a leader on this team and having a really great start to his season. But football is really not what's most important. And I really hope he takes all the time he needs to be with family and um, just, you know, get through this this current situation. Yeah, honestly, I was unaware of it heading into the game. The first I saw of it was, um, you know, and then kind of the pregame stuff on TV, they were showing it, but I was in a loud, crowded bar. So, you, I mean, we had the sound, but you really couldn't hear what was going on. I mean, you could kind of get the sense, so then I knew something must be wrong. Um, you know, I really made it a point, this year to kind of scale back my my intake of articles and media and stuff like that just so i can have a <laughs> focus on my job um yep. so leading up to the game i didn't know anything about it but obviously i've read about the stuff afterwards i've known about her you know i obviously knew about her struggles um and her situation in the past but yeah that um i really didn't get the full picture until after the game and i could read about it so yeah just really terrible situation it was amazing to see how the team rally around rallied around him um you know with the messages on their uh, apparel and stuff like that mm-hmm. and yeah really thinking about that big guy i know she means a lot to him and you know uh, doesn't sound good but hope things come out okay or as good as they can be and uh you know his family finds peace absolutely um well with that On a somber note, we'll move on to talk about this game, talk about this week. Clemson came away uh, with the second victory of the year, 35 to 12, first home game against uh, against Furman. Um, Ben, Tigers nowhere near covering an outrageous 45 and a half point spread on a wet day at Death Valley. I did not realize how how big that spread was. Um, That's insane, but uh, it was relatively dry during the game, I thought, just from what I could see. Obviously, wasn't at the game, but um, just felt like one of those classics Clemson September specials um, early on in the season with some uneven play, you know, it harkens back to games in the past, like against Troy, some other teams like that. You know, we always know against these FCS and even G five teams, you're going to get their very best when they come up to Clemson to play Clemson was on a short week. Um, so I'm not trying to take too much away from, from what we saw and really only beating them by 23 points here. Um, but definitely stuff to clean up, you know, things that, 
can be lingering if you if you take this into a Louisiana Tech or Wake or NC State game could come back to bite you. We'll talk about all that here, but just wanted to get your high level thoughts on the on the game. I'm going to take this one with a grain of salt, considering the short week. Um, you know, obviously very emotional with 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 Mercedes' sister. Um, Furman's game was Thursday prior, so they had like nine days to prepare. And it was clear the team just wasn't focused on this game. Um, they didn't take Furman seriously, and it showed by the play on the field. <laughs> the only guy who seemed to take it seriously was the one everybody was uh, hating after the, the 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 first game against Georgia Tech, and that was DJ. And lo and behold, he comes out and has you know his best game that we've seen him play in the last you know, between the last couple seasons, maybe since Notre Dame and um, credit to him and how focused he was and how well he played. Um, I know people have questioned his mental toughness, but after the way the fans kind of treated him uh, during and after the Georgia tech game and throughout the week for him to kind of shut out all that noise and go out there and to perform as well as he did and lead this team. That was, that was great to see. So, so good on DJ for the rest of the guys. Um, not a lot of accolades out there for this game. Um, I, I I have some concerns, uh, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. I'm not questioning the talent level or anything like that. Um, but I do question a couple things with Wes Goodwin. And to be fair to him, he's only three games into his Clemson uh, uh, defensive coordinator career. And just like I said after last week, well, we all said after last week, it's the first game of the season. Like give people benefit of the doubt. Let's see how it how it goes. Um, I think that we need to do the same thing with Wes. We need to let him grow into the position and, and learn from, you know, maybe some of his mistakes. But I don't think a Brent Venables defense would have ever come out that flat and played that poorly for an entire game. Um, and, and that speaks more to to Brent Venables and the coach he is. Uh, than it does to Wes Goodwin, I think. And obviously, there's an intensity level difference. I don't know if we need to get Wes a a get back coach. Um, but maybe he needs. It would be nice if he needed one because he was like so intense and amped up, right? Maybe he um, needs a get out there coach. <laughs> yeah, or let's get you know some venti cold brews before the game or something. Trent, what is the one? Trenti is that the thirty ouncer? Um, um, yeah, sounds Italian for thirty, <laughs> right? Um, so, anyways, again, the third game. Wes Goodwin is not Brent Venables. He's got to grow into being himself and his his own style of coordinator. And there's a lot of time for that left to happen and no, by no means giving up on him. The second thing to concern me is, you know, Furman really did the same thing that Georgia Tech was successful at against this Clemson defense, and that was thriving on the screen passes. Um, and to see this defense unable to stop them for the most part, it was crazy. Just not really used to seeing that at all. Um, there was a stat in his in his three games as de- defensive coordinator, teams have completed passes to tight ends 23 times. Um, you know, Brent Venables would often in-game make those adjustments. Right. Um, and after that, that one game where Pitt beat us on, you know, all those freaking shuffle passes, yeah, I don't think I've seen one work since. <laughs> well, why don't we? I mean, usually we we go offense to defense here, Ben. Why don't we start just talking about the defense? I feel like that is that is everyone's focus coming out of this game. 
not the allowing 12 points to Furman, but just the, the way in which a far outmatched Furman team, you know, was able to control clock and move the ball up the, up and down the field. I mean, there, there were turnovers here that went in Clemson's favor. I, I think Furman probably left some points on the field. They obviously had the miss PAT. Um, this game could have been closer and probably should have been. And, you know, uh, look, you, you look around college football and we'll get to the scoreboard here in a little bit. Like it's nice to come away with a win, not, you know, what six teams, I think seven teams in the top 25 did not. Um, but yeah, man, we could have been a punchline ourselves, you know, in, w- without too many other things going the wrong way. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's start with the defense. I mean, I think that da- you've heard in the days since the game, Dabo just continue to go back to talking about loafing teams, focus teams, preparedness to Dabo's credit. He owned it. He's like, I've got to get the team ready. Like this goes to me. Um, I think he's putting that out there, Ben, not necessarily to talk about the player focus and readiness, but probably the coaches a bit too. And, you know, players responding to how their coaches are approaching this game. So I would say, I mean, that's, that's a telling thing for me um, that Dabo Dabo is so vocal about that. And they released a Ben Bullware kind of hype video. I think it might've been today, last couple of days, uh, just talking about, I mean, the, the punchline under that is the famous Frank Howard quote, you know, if you don't give 110%, keep your filthy hands off my rock. It really talks about the level of effort, you know, to be a part of this football program and what that looks like, what 110% looks like hitting some hot, you know, some classic Clemson highlights of the last 10, 12, 15 years um, in Dabo's tenure, all that stuff. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of reading into that a little bit. Like Dabo's like, Hey, not only are we not an elite program right now, or elite team right now, like, we're not seeing the the type of things done day in day out to get to that level. And that's yeah, there, concerning to him. Th- yeah. There was definitely a lack, lack of focus in this game. And it wasn't just the defensive side of the ball, even into the, the second half on the offensive line, like um, and wide receivers still dropping balls, like inexperienced guys like Jordan McFadden. Right. And, you know, Dabo's first two championship um, contenders, 15 and 16, like, those teams weren't lighting up the the um uh the recruiting boards right and star wise for the guys on that team and as i recall like the recruiting started to pick up after that um it was a lot of guys that were experienced and disciplined and focused they may not have had the you know all the the talent in the world especially like across the offensive line and such but um they were focused and they were mature and disciplined and that that does a lot um that that can overcome talent gaps so while we do have amazing talent on this team maybe the most talented team star wise um that focus is definitely not there um and we could be talking about a generational thing at this point right it's been long enough since since those years um yeah, seven where, years. Yeah, where the kids that were on those teams were kind of grew up in a different, somewhat different time um, than the kids on this team. So um, I think, yeah, I, I, what I would add to that, Ben, like maybe, maybe that's right. I think there's maybe questions about seniority and leadership on the team, yeah. as well as just tenured guys in those those positions that have been there a long time and carrying the torch of of what it means. But I, I also think we, you know, there are a lot of coaches with one, two, three year tenures on this team. Yeah. In that era, you you had a lot of coaches that have been there several years beyond that. So 
Well, and that's where Dabo's going to have to earn his new $11 million a year paycheck, right? Um, He's going to have to step in and be that guy. And I totally think he can, right? Um, He's shown us the ability to to adapt over the years, maybe not as quickly, maybe not in the same ways as we would like him to when it comes to like NIL and and transfers and stuff like that. But he certainly has that ability. Um, He has obviously earned the benefit of the doubt. And I'm not really going to worry about this game until I see the next game, to be honest with you. Um, I, I know you said maybe, you know, a couple things go this way or that. It could have turned out completely different. And does Clemson end up being your Texas A&M or something like that? Um, this not game, against Furman. Yeah, not against this, Furman. Th- this yeah. game was never in doubt. Even against Georgia Tech when they pulled close. It's like you could. Right. Th- we were never going to lose that game. Um, so, again, I, I'm not going to get too concerned about this one, just like. Sure. I wasn't calling what about for Caden it? What about a starter after one series yeah. against a worn down Georgia Tech defense? Yeah. What about at noon on the road against Wake, though? Like, I think that's a spot where lack of focus, attention to detail. You're not talking about Furman's quarterback kind yeah. of make, making you pay. You're talking about Sam Hartman, like six year guy. I actually thought um, Furman's quarterback looked pretty good. <laughs> I mean, no, he's a gamer. Yeah, I, all, I wanna, all things I wanna give, considered, he looked pretty right. solid to me. And there's a couple wide receivers on that team. I'd, I'd yeah, <laughs> I'd like to have. Um, <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, credit to Furman. I mean, mm-hmm. and their coaching staff and their players. We always talk about how these FCS schools. This is their Super Bowl when they come to play us. Play us, and you know they showed out and they played really hard. And it looks like they might have a really great season. Um, in, in the FCS. So it'll be interesting to watch how that shakes out. I honestly have no clue. I don't pay attention to F- FCS football. Right. Um, but based on what we saw, they looked like a pretty competent and talented team for that level. Well, let's talk, let's talk Ben about what they did and kind of how they chose to attack this Clemson defense and peel this one apart a little bit. So Clay Hendricks, um, head coach of Furman, you know, he and his staff kind of picked the NC state, or you kind of referenced it a little bit learning from the Georgia tech game. They picked the tactic of not going head on into the teeth of that defensive line. And they chose the screen screen game, you know, cause of death and or getting their running backs and tight ends out into the flats and open. And oh yeah, they mixed in some quarterback run as well. You know, I thought Jeff Sims had some success with that a week ago. Uh, This Furman quarterback did this week as well. And what we've seen, you know, you, you mentioned in the, um, in the West Goodwin era, um, the amount of short passes happening, like, yeah, like the majority of completions in this game were five yards or less. And Goodwin in post-game comments talked about the need to work with his corners and linebackers on press man technique near the line. Um, yeah, we do. I, I'm just curious, like, why was that not implemented kind of middle part of the game as an adjustment? Yeah, I think definitely the play calling on defense and so far the cornerbacks have been the weak link. Um, of uh, of this defense for sure and that you know it's one thing against Furman but when you go up against a Dave Dorn offense which has given Clemson trouble in the past with their uh, quick passing game to neutralize that monster defensive line like if that continues to work and we continue to, to play the same way then people are going to continue to do it that to us and it's eventually going to bite us in the ass hmm. well and Louisiana Tech does a lot of this too so they're uh they're under a new head coach uh, Skip Holtz was there forever Sonny Cumbie came over from Texas Tech. He he was at Texas Tech as a coach before he got the head coach reins. He was also at TCU when they had that near playoff run. 
Um, so how the hell do you know all this <laughs> about Louisiana Tech? Uh, I don't know. Just college football media. Listening to a lot. You of work it. at Google. Yeah, you just look shit up. Right. So anyway, like they are, uh, they're an air raid offense and their quick passing game to all corners of the field. I think this Clemson defense is going to need to make adjustments quickly. I think what I would say, and I'll echo kind of some of the folks I've read um, in the recap here, it's good to get this kind of film and this experience against a Furman early on, not to give opposing OCs, you know, delusions of grandeur and dreams they can beat us, but more so to, you know, use it as coach coachable moments for these players. And uh, we do have potent offenses, probably the three most potent on our schedule coming up in the next three weeks. And honestly, I mean, maybe you put Syracuse in that mix of most potent offenses, but yeah, I just think it's good timing to have this, this, this film and be able to have things to develop here um, as we look ahead. But I think Ben, yeah, for me, you touched on it. It is going to be a learning curve for Wes Goodwin. You know, we, we have a lot of confidence in his play calling ability. It, it doesn't seem to me like he necessarily got outsmarted in this game. It's just that he didn't implement maybe the adjustments that were needed during the game. And then in terms of coaching these guys up, I mean, I, I think that's one of the questions we called out in the season preview was game to game. Can these coaches, you know, correct for the mistakes that we've seen? I think that was a hallmark of Brent Venables. You did not burn Clemson the same way twice. Definitely not two in a row. Definitely not in the same season. Can we see that manifest here moving forward? I think I think we already have a little bit of an answer. You mentioned Georgia Tech got theirs in the in the screen game. So did Furman. So let's see after having that exposed a little bit more, spotlighted by by Furman here. You know what the coaching staff and the players can do to do to button that up. Hey, we saw Fred Davis tackle a couple people. That was a step in the right direction. Yeah, um, I yeah, thought he played I don't, with I don't, good intensity on it on the few plays I saw him. So yeah, it, good friend. There's there's not a lot to take away from this game other than I think the things we we've already stated, like the the individual play on the field. I'm not going to pick apart all of that. Um, yeah, I think it does come down to some play calling adjustments, and then overall a, a team, and in this case the defensive unit, being more focused and taking an opponent more seriously. I expect a completely different showing against Louisiana Tech, and I'm not really concerned about the Wake Forest game because, you know, we know who Sam Hartman is. He's been there forever. Wake Forest is likely still going to be a ranked team at that point. Um, Yes, Winston-Salem is not a very inspiring place to play, but, again, two games in, I'm still giving the benefit of the doubt. We did have the Monday game, which is always tough. Um. So there's things to clean up, but moving forward, let's let's wait to see if those things are adjusted. I like it. All right, let's talk offense. Thirty-five points in this one, Ben. I thought really good signs out of the gates. You know, Clemson came out in this one firing in the passing game, at least. Um, I thought wide receiver play looked strong early on. You know, that definitely regressed down the, down the line guys that made some good plays in the early going. I thought EJ Williams looked a lot more agile as he played without that knee brace. I think he had like a compression. It wouldn't even be, what do you call a sleeve on your leg, Ben? I don't know. Compression um, sleeve for the leg. A leg sleeve. <laughs> leg sleeve. There we go. Um, Justin Gata nearly had an impressive touchdown. He came up just short. There's a little bit of goal line awareness that you'd like to see out of him, you know, being a, 
essentially a senior at this point. Um, the Bo, the Bo Collins connection continued to, to be lit up by DJ, but really I wanted to take this chance and you talked about it in the early going, just DJ continues to kind of drown out the noise. He showed more patience in this one, flashed more of his mobility, got the tight ends involved and really picked, picked apart that Furman defense in the first half. Um, I thought it was like you said, like probably right up there with the wake forest game last year in terms of his best offensive effort as a quarterback, obviously an offensive effort. Um, and yeah, it was great to see that first half from DJ. Well, and it's, it's too bad. We didn't get to see more of it. Like I kept looking up. I'm like, why are we not scoring more? And then you realize, well, Furman had the ball in offense for, you know, much longer than we did. Um, but the opportunities that the DJ did have out there, um, 21 to 27, his completion percentage this year is up to like 68%, which is like a 10% uh, increase from last year. His adjusted completion percentage after the Georgia Tech theme because of the drops was like 80, 80, 88, something like that. I can't remember the exact number, but if people can't see that he has tremendously improved from last year, then, then they're blind um, or they don't know what they're looking at. <clears throat> um his, his passes are more crisp. They're more sharp. He's dropping balls in uh, to tight windows. And the only thing really holding him back now is receivers catching the ball. I mean, Bo Collins still had a drop in this game. EJ Williams, I think so. And, you know, Cody's texting us, and he's mentioned this a couple of times, texting us during the game, reminding us that that EJ Williams is still somewhat injured. And if, if he's that in, injured, we've got so many other wide receivers. Why is he out there? Let him rest and let him get healthy and throw the, throw the other guys out there. Um I would say at this point, when it comes to the wide receivers, I like and got a, yeah, he caught some balls in this game, but he didn't look dominant against Furman. Um, I want to see Bo Collins is feels like an amazing wide receiver, but he still is having his issue with drops. Um, you know, we saw Antonio Williams get out there. He's an exciting player, but I even think he had some mistakes. So um, I can't remember how much we talked about this in the last episode, but I really do think that Tyler Grisham may be on the hot seat this year because a lot of the issues we've seen under his tenure with the wide receivers are fundamental issues. Um, and that goes back to the coaches. The yeah, talent I mean, I, is, is there mm-hmm. if you're going by the star ratings and, you know, by the measurables, but fundamentally the wide receivers have not performed the the past couple of years. Um, and it's pretty damn frustrating. And again, we go back to last year, like everybody put everything on DJ. Well, yes, he did not look great. He also had a very porous offensive line and um, wide receivers who were dropping the ball the place and couldn't get separation and couldn't get open. Can't block on the edge. So I mean, this it year, seems the difference like you see yeah. is that DJ is actually playing really well and it's still the offensive line, the wide receivers that are kind of an issue. So um, I'm going to give Thomas Austin time obviously this is his first year as the offensive line coach we still got a bunch of young guys in there and i think you know the offensive line in the georgia tech game the first teamers played the majority of that game so they had a really you know that 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 short rest seemed a little bit shorter for them than Mm -hmm. maybe some of the other position groups on the field and that's why a little bit i don't bite on the defense because we played some we have so much depth on defense we play so many guys um but definitely on the offensive side of the ball um you know I, i give them not ready to throw them under the bus yet um, and you know, Miller, Blake Miller actually had a good game. Um, so I think 
again, I try not to dwell on the two games into the season for all the reasons that we mentioned before. Um, the wide receiver group does concern me, though, because this has been a trend for with these same guys for years now. Well, and Ben, uh, like, to, I want to touch on that and go back to your comments about Grisham. Like, is it like these uh, these guys clearly haven't like we haven't hit on these guys as WRU, right? Like they haven't lived up either to their star rating or been developed and coached and deployed in a way that, you know, they can live up to that. I guess like we want to attribute that somehow. Is it that the recruiting services were wrong and these guys actually are not as talented or, or really what we thought they were? I don't know about that. They, they certainly all have the kind of measurables and seems to be, you know, capable capabilities of that we see flashes. Um, I don't know if it's an effort thing. None of us can know that or be able to tell that, but I think you got to hang some of that on the coaching and some of that on the preparedness. And if it is a focus thing, you know, how to, how does Tyler Grisham find a way to motivate then? Uh, what's tough though is Clemson's always had, I mean, da- what is Dabo's position group? It's wide receiver, right? Like that was his role in the Tommy Bowden offense. That was his role position. as a player at Alabama. Yeah. His position at Alabama. So I, it's, we're looking for answers. We're throwing, throwing darts, you know, I, I don't know how, how involved Dabo is in the wide receiver game, but if that continues to be, a you know sore spot for this offense i imagine he'll get more involved there um who knows if that's going to help but if that's going on maybe it is just a matter of these guys just not being the right fit um on the bright side we do have an ace up our sleeve i don't know that we need to put the entire onus of the offense on this guy's shoulders adam randall's good to go he was apparently good to go for Furman, potentially georgia tech he will suit up apparently against louisiana tech in terms of his pedigree, Ben, I was reading uh, 24-7 Sports. Anna Adams, she used to be Anna Hickey, was her maiden name. Uh, she wrote about Randall coming in and the coaching staff kind of talking about him. What can we expect about him? He is a 4 guy, but he's also that big-bodied receiver. And he can play either the field position or the boundary position. So he may be somewhat of the answer we've been looking for, Ben, or at least you know inject some new blood and some life into that receiving core. It'd be crazy though. If we're talking about Antonio Williams and um, Adam Randall, you know, two true freshmen coming in and starting or, you know, getting the majority of snaps here. I, that would be crazy. And then you got probably Bo Collins. What is the next best receiver? Yeah. Um, That's kind of your, that's your, your three man starters, all super junior guys, but Hey, like, it's a meritocracy, right? Yeah, the best guy should play. Um, and, you know, if those two tr- true freshmen can come in and push guys like Ngata and EJ Williams and Ngata and EJ Williams don't respond, then That's... so be it. You got you to mm-hmm. play the best guy. They've had plenty of opportunities. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to talk bad about these kids and question the effort, especially when we have no idea what goes on in practice. Um, at least in God has stayed healthy so far this year, but we know what we're seeing on the field, like drops are an obvious thing. Um, you know, we, yeah, no, for sure. We had some red zone touchdowns in this game. Yeah. Well, was a, one thing a, that was a sight for sore eyes. So that one thing happened. we haven't seen though, is a guy that can just take the top off the defense. Right. Right. And, and go like, up and fight and get a ball. Well, that too, but just, I'm talking about like, Get open, get wide, wide the hell open, twenty yards. Yeah, run, run, run past Palladians. Right, 
<laughs> Paladins, exactly. Look, Paladins, whatever. And Correct. DJ may not have the most accurate deep ball, but he has a cannon. So why don't we test that out? I'd like to see that. I think the answer is he did a injury. one. Injury has impacted these guys' ability to get that separation and and burn their respective corners. Um, I don't know how athletic Louisiana Tech's quarters are, but sure would like to see them try to push it downfield a little bit more. Let's talk about one more bright spot before we move on the tight ends. Um, Brandon Sewell and Allen continue to get a healthy mix of looks from DJ over the middle of the field in the red zone. I'm loving what I'm seeing out of the tight ends. Yeah, Brennan's still, I mean, he only had a catch for two yards in this game. But, you know, we talked a lot about him last year. Um, really high upside, a lot of expectations for that kid. And then Davis Allen has always been a solid player. We've kind of needed him more for blocking than for 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 pass catching in the past. Um, but, yeah, you've seen kind of both of them. I mean, there was only two catches by the Titans in this game. Um, yeah. But it was much more featured in the game against Georgia Tech. There is the the thought that, you know, against firming you're not trying to show all your cards and open up the entire playbook which we've given tony elliott kind of some grief for, for for in the past when the offense has been struggling um but i have been excited from what i've seen out of both of them and again you you, you get these other guys clicking especially when dj is is starting to go well and he's looking much more like that guy, that kid we saw at notre dame then this offense has it could be incredibly explosive um, we kind of plotted along to whatever 41 and 35 points, but if they had more opportunities in this game, we would have put up into the forties and maybe fifties, you know, was, the way the offense was kind of firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Now towards the end of the game, sure. They were all tired, um, again with a short week and, and there were some bonehead mistakes and the offense kind of stalled. Um, but it's not that far away. We just need guys to, to step up and perform somebody to, to get in there and push the other guys and you know if they're if they don't the guys that are being pushed aren't able to you know thrive and excel and perform then they go to the bench um it reminds me of the year that uh, nukes freshman year you know he didn't play a lot early on in the season um because we had some veteran wide receivers but those wide receivers were dropping the ball over the place and we weren't having a, a great year. So Nuke started getting a lot more playing time. And the more you watch that guy play, you were like, oh, my God, this kid is special. Mm -hmm. I've seen that out of Antonio Williams. I hope to see that out of Adam Randall uh, coming up here this Saturday. Absolutely. But overall, it's it's been underwhelming. Well, but, not to go. But all that said... <laughs> I was still so excited in this game to see DJ play so well. Like the other uh, things are correctable. They are sure. right. This is not a, a team outsmarting you, a team out talenting you, um, a team out scheming you. These are just guys who are not performing up to the level that, that meets the coach's expectations, meets their expectations. And obviously the fan base's expectations. We'll see what happens. Still two games into the season. I'm giving them the same benefit of the doubt as I'm giving every other position group on the field at this point, but after three or four games, we're seeing the same thing. Then I'm going to stop believing things are going to change without a personnel change. Yeah. Um, I do want to touch on the running game. So what was a little bit lackluster against Georgia tech, lack of a running game continued in this one with a pretty significant lack of push from the offensive line. And let's remember this is a FCS caliber defensive front. 
So I think Ben, you, you talked a little bit earlier. I'm willing to, you know, agree with you on that. That starting five played the vast majority of the snaps against Georgia tech some five days before this one, a little bit early in the season to be, you know, putting two back-to-back performances like that together. So I get it. Uh, But this does negatively impact that part of the offense that we thought was going to, we might've had to rely on to generate the offense for this team, which was Will Shipley, Kobe Pace, and Phil Maffa. They've essentially been no-shows so far this season. And well, obviously, but that's, Shipley that's, got in the end zone, but... Yeah, I mean, that's important because, you know, if the wide receivers aren't catching the ball, teams would be able to sack the, the box and, and focus on stopping the run. Now, the positive side of that is DJ is looking really good, and if the wide receivers start catching the ball, then that's in turn going to really open up the run game. Um, you know, it's a symbiotic relationship between the passing game and the run game. Um, so, I mean, Shipley average 6.8 yards of carry in this game. Um, you know, we know what we're going to get out of Phil Moffa. Colby Pace has been a little underwhelming to me this year. I, I can't really exactly put my finger on it. Um, but when I see Phil Moffa out there, I know what type of running back he is. He's just going to plow people over. Will Shipley, I know what type of running back he is, and I'm seeing the results on the field. Colby Pace, I'm still trying to, to, to figure out this year, even though I was really high on him and loved his performances last year. Um, in part, that could be to the due to the offensive line getting a push, not getting a push, and then again the lack of the you know the threat in the passing game because of the wide receivers. But I'm not, yeah, yeah. I think it's more. I think it's more if if the passing game can start really hurting opposing teams on a consistent basis, that's really going to open up the run game. We got the talent there, and. You know, I want to see Will get more touches out of the um, in the passing game. To be honest with you, I mean, he only had he didn't have a catch in this game. He had no catches in this game. What's funny, Ben, is Clemson ran only sixty plays, fifty nine plays. I would well, up over eighty defense against Tech. Couldn't get off yeah, it was like a thirty five twenty five time of possession split in favor of Furman. And that's the um, other thing, like when the offense is not getting the timeout on the field, like you don't get that rhythm. So I don't know. I don't know. Why are we being so negative about a win? I hate this. <laughs> um, I don't know. In the second uh, game of the year. DJ, DJ got involved in the running game. Only five carries in this one. Did have a 15-yard scamper. Averaged about seven per carry. So, yeah. I mean, I think the yards were there to be gained when these guys got into the open field just against smaller, less athletic competition. It was just that initial push from that O-line that left you wanting. Um not a complete disaster on the ground by any stretch, but you, you just know that you're going to face far more athletic fronts than what Furman's going to throw at you. So it's just something to, you know, kind of pay attention to moving forward. Are we seeing Clemson with its decision to continue to be an inside zone running game, get three, four or five, six yards per carry um, in the early going of these games? Yeah. I mean, again, I, 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 I find it hard to take a lot out of this game for, again, all the different circumstances. Uh, the two things that concern me most on each side of the ball is the wide receivers, obviously, which we keep harping on. And then uh, the, the the secondary play, particularly the cornerbacks on the defense side of the ball. Everything else I think is going to be fine. I think the offensive line is going to continue to gel and mature as the year, year goes on. Um, I think DJ is going to continue to improve. Um, like he has these first two games of this year. I think the defensive line is still going to be a monster. 
Um, I think Makuba's just going to be just fine. The linebackers are incredible. We saw that in the first game. So, yeah, um, got a good punter. Yeah, we got BT Potter. Like, I, this, we and we've complained a lot even in championship years. Um, <laughs> no, you're <laughs> at the beginning right. of the season, I, the struggles, and so people don't want to come, Ben, to hear us talk about what's good. They want to know why we could be better. That's why they're here. True. So we're just playing to playing to the audience. True. Well, um, let's talk maybe for a minute about what we want to see against Louisiana Tech before we move on to talk about the rest of college football. I think for me, I would like to see a running back and a receiver emerge in this game and really establish themselves, help lead this offense, solidify this offense, and just emerge. I'll use that word on the offense. What about you? I want to see a much more disciplined performance and a much more dominant performance by the offensive line on the offensive side of the ball in this game. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Adam Randall and the continued emergence of um, Antonio Williams. If Bo Collins starts catching, you know, one or, you know, one or two more of these balls, like he's going to be an amazing wide receiver. Uh, I want to see him got to get better, but I'm kind of losing hope at this point. Um, But I don't know. I'm still pretty high on the offense this year. I think this this offense is a few things, you know, a few tweaks away, a few th- uh, improved performances away from being explosive. Um, so I don't have concern there yet. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, we mentioned the play calling. I don't want to see us be picked apart by the, the quick passing game and screens. Um, the play calling needs to adjust. Um, the players need to be more disciplined, like not over pursuing. Um, but yeah, oh, that's a good thing, I guess. Ben. Those are the main things I'll be looking forward to this game. I want to see some tight coverage by the quarterback, cornerbacks, yeah. some interceptions. One thing I, we haven't talked about, this team has done a good job already, like controlling big plays and not allowing big yeah. plays. So I want to see that continue against an air raid style offense. Like, I agree with you. It'd be nice to not get picked apart. But where things can really snowball is if they're hitting these 40 yard, 40 yard completions regard after the catch yeah well, um, and, and i also want to see us like get up early build a lead so we can continue to to get Cade in there and get him some experience with the with the first team offensive guys um and then damn it i want to see hunter johnson in a game this year <laughs> is that too much to sure. ask you know how long i've waited not out of need but out of just sheer desire because we have such a huge lead i agree and because um, i like the kid yeah I think overall in this game against Louisiana Tech, I would like to see might be too much to ask for four quarters of consistent elite power five complementary offensive defense. But how about three? How about the first, second and third quarter? Be consistent. Show that you're the dominant team. Show that you're the more talented team and the better coach team and the developed team. That'd be great. It's the third game of the season. Not too much to ask for. I want to see Clemson cover the spread for once. What is the spread? I don't know. I'm trying to look that up right now. All right. Well, in the meantime, I'll move us on. I guess let's talk Cade for one moment. I was glad to see Dabo try Cade out with the first team. Spread 34. Sorry. Spread is 34. It's rich. Over under 52. I'm going to. Ooh. I like the over. I like the over in this one. I like the over. I don't like the spread. Yeah. I don't like the spread either. Yeah. Um, but Cade got in there 
he displayed some of those sort of freshman learning moments, if you want to call it that, that yeah, um, he looked like a I freshman. Everyone assumed was there. So like you said, though, would be nice to continue to see him get in with the first team, start to get more coachable moments, get more reps. Um, and yeah, let's see what we have in Cade. But yeah, I think that that was also a move to quiet some of the deafening roar of, you know, the, the people calling for Cade to get the starting job. I think that took it down an octave. Well, and I mentioned about the Georgia Tech game that it was such a low pressure situation for Cade that like it was a, a win-win from him. That it was no pressure at all on him at that point of the game. I think there was a lot of pressure on him in this game because of all the chatter that came out of that first game in his one drive performance. Uh, so for him coming to this game, he probably really felt like he had to look as good as that again. Um, and it just didn't happen. And he looked like a freshman. And that's going to happen. But again, I think we need to continue to, especially against, you know, these teams that we should beat handedly, build those leads early so we can start to filter him in with experience with the first teams and just get more reps on the field because, you know, DJ, like I said, is going to be for the foreseeable future, the starting quarterback of this football team. Now, does that mean that Cade does not take over at some point this year? No, I totally think that's still a possibility. It looks less and less likely um, considering DJ's performance in this game and Cade's performance in this game. Um, but if not this year, next year, for sure. Yeah, and he's a solid plan B. Like he is a much, much better. I feel much better about him backing up DJ than I did with Tyson Pumachon. And DJ looks better to, to start with. So quarterback, definitely leap forward so far this year. Yeah, Can't I feel really good with, about the quarterback position right totally. now. Totally. Can't say the same about running the running game yet due to the O-line questions, but we're not giving up. And then receiver signs of life, signs of improvement with some of the new blood. We're in wait and see mode. Other Clemson notes in this one, Ben, uh, the video board. I want people to sound off in our social media. Neither Ben nor I were at the game. If you went to the game, did you like the ginormous video board? That's the width of the hill. Did you find it distracting? Was it, little too big to block the sun out probably not but uh yeah let us know what you thought i'm eager to see it uh the first time i make it to death valley check that thing out um ben you mentioned it a little bit earlier Dabo is up to what 11 million dollars he's the second highest paid coach he had a new contract announced last week since our last show my feeling on this i've had a lot of people ask me this question you got to do it if you're clemson like all these guys in college football are about to get leveled way up you don't think the Big Ten coaches, the average salary there is about to get leveled up with the way that their TV contract came up. You're kidding yourself. So I just think I don't necessarily think Clemson doing this now is going to save us anything in the long run, because as the price of an elite head coach goes up college football wide, if we want to keep Dabo, we're going to have to do this again. I just think it's, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but can he's, we, wor- like- he's been worth it. <laughs> Oh, for sure. He's earned every penny of it. I kind of wish he could like throw 50 grand a year at a, a better graphics person for the scoreboard. Like a video game from the nineties with the graphics. Um, and the advertisements at the advertisements for Gotti. It's like almost like the useful part of the scoreboard is the same size. Yeah. Right. I saw that. I saw part of that. It's like make the whole thing, the video. Put the Schlotzky's ad in the bottom right corner. It's fine. 
Um, are we done with Clemson? Any more parting thoughts about Furman or about Louisiana Tech coming up? No, I mean, all I will say is after two games, I'm a hell of a lot more excited about this year and optimistic about the the path of the season than I than I was last year, obviously. Um, but especially with everything else going on around college football and the way we've seen Alabama play and Ohio State play, Notre Dame now 0-2, um, and a lot of teams kind of traditional, you know, front runners and powerhouses struggle. I think Clemson <laughs> is certainly playoff capable this year. Right. Well, the, now the, I'm the transition kind then. of thinking maybe they could win a playoff game. <laughs> now okay. that's still a stretch for me because I want to see more of this team and all the things that we talked about, um, all the issues from from the Furman game, we need to see all of those things corrected and everybody continue to prove as the season goes along, but there's a lot of football left to play and every game on this schedule is, is winnable, obviously. Um, so I'm trying to maintain, uh, you know, you'll keep my expectations low, especially after last year and reflecting back on teams in the past that have been so great and dominant 15, 16, um, the 18 team. When I, Compare what I see now to those teams. This team is not there or really close at this point. Um, but I think there is a lot of uh, there's a lot of upside for sure. There's a lot of potential in this team. You mentioned the coaches earlier, the young coaching staff. There's been a lot of turnover recently, and that's the first time Dabo's really had to deal with that. So let's see this team grow into who they are um, and hope for the best. I'm still remaining optimistic. And I think in some ways, Ben, like as a fan from the fan experience, we're getting a little bit, you know, what's the word? Like a little bit lackadaisical or a little bit kind of like bored with what was going on. This introduces there's some newness to this. And as a fan, like watching Clemson, like the expectation was there that we were just going to go 13 or no steamroll the AC and let's hope we get a good draw in the playoff. Now it's like you can see that rise again from this Clemson program, this team. And as a fan, that's super exciting. So that, that was the fun part about all those years was the rise to prominence, right? Right. Like that was that that ride was so much fun. And leaving, you know, leaving one season where you, you know, you ended up a lot better than you thought you were going to be going in and the anticipation for the next season and you continue to get better. And then you take a step back and then you jump right back in there. Um, that was a fun part. We're kind of past that era where I think we're going to look back and consider that one block of time for, for Dabo's tenure. And now we're starting to move on to the next one. And yeah, the rise is fun. The game in game out, like actually being somewhat interesting, like you're not blowing everybody out by 40 to 50 points. Like those games and those seasons did get really boring. Um, It wasn't that way last year. Um, And it's doesn't (laughs) look like it's going to be that way this year quite yet, but um, How about boring with like good results, boring yeah. with not, you know, needing it's a defensive like just line get us week. to the playoffs so we can play somebody. <laughs> right. That was the feeling in the past. You had right. to sit through like 13 games um, to get there. Even the ACC championship games weren't even like competitive. Yeah. Um, Duke Pitt, Miami. Like those are all blowouts. all of them. Name all of them. We played all of them. Yeah. Um, Virginia Tech and UNC were exciting. That was the first first couple that we had. Yeah. But well, anyway, let's let's use that to transition. Uh, I do think the losses that we saw in week one and week two introduce some margin of error for the Clemson Tigers. Uh, we had seven teams in the top 25 fall in week two. Definitely a blood week 
as they say. Whether those seven teams should have been ranked, I don't know. But uh, it's just there's always going to be a little bit of a revolving door in the AP top 25 the first three, four weeks. Uh, the AP is clowning themselves also. We can talk about the new rankings coming out. Like these writers love themselves a narrative and they're going to force that to happen no matter what, you know, even if these teams are not that legit. Uh, but three teams fell out of the top 10. Texas A&M, we mentioned it, number six. Clemson's upcoming opponent, Notre Dame, was number eight. Now they're no longer ranked. They're 0-2. And then Baylor, who I thought had a chance to be kind of a surprising team this year, they were number nine, so maybe they wouldn't surprise that many people. They lost to a really feisty BYU team who plays Oregon this week, by the way. So BYU, I mean, they they took down USF. That's no no large feat by any stretch, but they do, they're an independent Ben. Like pencil BYU in potentially, if they can survive Oregon here, I think their schedule lightens up quite a lot after that. They could be an interesting dark horse playoff team. Uh um, they're Notre Dame's third no yeah, they're Notre Dame's third loss, probably. Right. Um yeah. But anyway, like you get some of these brand names out of there that clears a path for Clemson, even if Clemson should sustain a loss. Clemson, I don't think can overcome a loss to the likes of NC State because presumably they would win the Atlantic. Uh, we're not in Alabama's class where we don't have to make the championship game to get into the playoff, at least not yet, I don't think. So, but anyway, like Clemson can suffer, could drop a, a random loss, win the ACC outright, and still potentially get into the playoff. That becomes easier and easier the more these teams pick up their first loss. Yeah, absolutely. The, the spread in this Oregon-BYU game is uh, three and a half in favor of Oregon. I'm taking BYU plus three. Yeah. Yeah. BYU is no Georgia, but they're a lot closer to Georgia than whoever Oregon beat this last week. Um, and BYU's beat a ranked team. Uh, yeah, I. you know, as we... I've gotten a couple weeks into the season. You know, we talked a lot about it last year with NIL stuff and, and transfers. And yes, it's chaos right now um, because it's the Wild West and the NCAA is inept at governing. Um, but eventually it's all going to settle down because all these boosters are going to realize that all the money they're throwing at these kids that either end up sucking or transfer or, or sorry, suck. I should not say that these kids suck. Uh, do not perform up to the, the level of expectations and then transfer that they're going to be throwing away a lot of money. Um, so all of this could lead to more parity in college football. And I don't wonder if we're starting to see that right now, like everything else we're two, three games into the season for some folks. So um, we'll see how it plays out, but man, I was shocked by a lot of the results this weekend. Like I didn't know what to take away from the Alabama, Texas game. Like Alabama definitely did not look anything close to what we're used to seeing from Alabama. Well, they don't have the offensive weapons. That's my takeaway. Yeah. And Bill O'Brien is their OC. I don't think these guys play for Bill O'Brien the way they played for Sark or Lane Kiffin. Yeah. Well, but I also previous years. I, I also took a I also looked very favorable upon Texas in that game. Um, I think they're maybe sure. a lot better than we thought they may be. And that's with yours going out. And then their second string quarterback going out, who actually looked decent in that game. So um, you know, we'll, we'll see what Texas does this weekend. They actually have a pretty tough uh, UTSA team um, yeah, coming totally. at home and see if they have a letdown game. But I don't know. If I'm Texas, I'm leaving that game pretty feeling pretty damn good about myself, no matter how Alabama looked. And if I'm an Alabama fan, I'm also concerned. Uh, Georgia continues to steamroll. Um, uh, obviously, they should have jumped Alabama to number one. And I think um, from what we've seen so far this year, they're 
far and away, uh, you know, the number one team in the country. And then it gets kind of muddy after that. Um, They're going to be a little bit unproven though, Ben, like they've got to talk about like all the crap Clemson took in previous years with the cakewalk run to the playoff. Uh, SEC championship game is going to be really their only remaining hurdle. Florida lost this week. They were fool's gold to begin with. Tennessee might be a little pesky. They may be the second best team in the SEC. At Kentucky, uh, second to last game before Georgia Tech at the end of the year. And Kentucky's nine now. Yeah, Um, sure. So, I mean, again, those rankings are going to shift as we get to those games. Um, Yeah, it's it's not Alabama's schedule um, for sure. But we also have to give, you know, Clemson was also untested, quote unquote. Um, and that certainly probably helped by the time you got to the playoff because we were able to play so much depth and develop so much depth throughout the season. So I'm not going to knock Georgia for it if that should go their way this year because, you know, we benefited from the same thing. Um, but they're also a returning championship team with their starting quarterback from that championship team still on this one. So, um, yeah, Georgia, I think right now is the clear favorite after again, after that, Alabama didn't look great. Ohio state, who knows what to make of them after they struggled against Notre Dame, the Notre Dame goes and lays an egg against Marshall. Love to see that. Um, a <laughs> and losing to Appalachian state, man, I'm so happy for Chase Bryce. I am so freaking happy for Chase Bryce. And then seeing that picture that somebody tweeted out after the game showing Trevor Lawrence, Kelly Bryan, and Chase Bryce, um, and you know, you know, at a game in uniform when they all played for Clemson at the same time, saying Jimbo has lost all three of these quarterbacks. As starters. It just makes you so happy. I mean, did he's so easy did, to hate? But it's I mean it's it's him. He does it, but Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's nice. They they pull in recruits. They pay recruits that don't go to Bama or Georgia or Ohio State. I don't think Clemson was competing with them for too many of these guys. Like, it's nice. Just yeah. keep them going to College Station. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Um, Jimbo did, did this start for this loss to Marshall for Notre Dame, like, change your attitudes about Marcus Freeman? I think for um, me. I, well, he he – is a coach coaching his third game and he looked like it. He was able to do the easy job, which is get your team hyped up against an Ohio state game uh, team on the first, during the first game of the year. What he wasn't able to do was keep that same focus momentum going after the loss, the tough loss to Ohio state at home against a Marshall team. Um, And that's just going to take time for him to, you know, to learn those things as a young coach. Dabo went through the same stuff. Um, but no, I'm still really high on Marcus Freeman. I would sure as hell rather have him than Brian Kelly. Um, right. Agreed. Brian Kelly may not make it through the year. You see his like press conference stuff, and like he is just, yeah, what a he tool. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> He's a tool. I'm I, I'm with you, Ben. I think Freeman's going to do fine. I think Notre Dame's issue is their offense. Yeah. Also, their their starting quarterback went out with injury in this game. Yep. So they're just in a bad way right now. But um, I think it's. It's talent on their O-line that is there gelling together. And then they don't have wide receiver talent at all to speak of. So yeah, um, tough to – and look, they should still be at Marshall. They've got more talent. They still, still yeah. should have won. I was but a little said, bit concerned after the first week of the season that that game in South Bend in November was all of a sudden looking pretty difficult. 
Mm, yeah. I'm much less concerned. Not, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> also, what's not difficult, getting a ticket to that game. Uh, for those shopping, now would be the time to do that before Notre Dame bounces back. Yeah, well, I bought mine during the summer. Yeah, face value though. Got face value. That's good. Lower yeah. deck uh, on the Clemson sideline. So nice one. Um, last thought on Notre Dame: the reason they that they're not great right now on the O line in the wide receiver room is Brian Kelly essentially gave up on recruiting at a high level, particularly at the skill position. So it is going to take Freeman some time to build that back up. We're going to have them on our schedule several times moving forward. So that's just one to watch. Um, we hope we hope they can claw back and get back to ranked, but I think this is a 500 team at best this year. I'm totally fine if they just suck the rest of the year and don't get ranked. Yeah, and we, and we kill them. It's all good. Like our strength right. of schedule really doesn't matter. We just need to win everything, and we'll be fine. Whether or not Notre Dame's ranked or whatever, like people are still going to see us go into South Bend and beat Notre Dame, and Notre yep. Dame is a name brand because they'll be cloudy. Rudy. Yeah, and yeah, definitely. Um, I guess in terms of this last week, Cle- teams coming up on Clemson's schedule. I think we we had uh, already buried Louisville and and Scott Hot Cedar Field. Um, they went down to Orlando to beat UCF at home. So not like a incredibly impressive game from their offense. They only put up 20 points against a UCF team. That's not known for its defense. So, you know, not necessarily scared of Louisville yet, but good for them, I guess, you know, not laying down and going on too. Um, otherwise it was pretty chalky among upcoming teams on Clemson schedule outside of Notre Dame, like Wake handled Vandy, um, NC state rolled, Miami, I think, rolled as well. They might have had a slow start against Southern Miss. Uh, but for the most part, I think the tough games on Clemson's schedule will remain the tough games on Clemson's schedule. And I have less questions about Louisville now than I, you know, about how good they are than is Syracuse good? Like, yeah, I know I UConn mean, is UConn, but they rolled them, you know, yeah. on the road 48 to 14. No, I think Syracuse finally has their offense in a place where Dino Babers is able to get things going. I forget the OC there came from someplace else recently and um, is doing really well. So, hey, that's our homecoming game. Looking forward to that one. That'll be cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big Dino Babers fan. I've always liked the guy. Um, And even though I'm not a big fan of Syracuse, I've always hoped for, you know, been pulling for him and his success, knowing that if he was successful, he'd be gone out of there in no time anyways. Um, but I don't know. It just seems like a really great guy. Um, and I'm happy, I'm happy to see him succeed. Um, but yeah, that is a, that Syracuse may be decent this year. They're not gonna, their big tests for them. They've got Purdue, Virginia and Wagner, um, at home the next three games. So I don't think that's going to tell us a whole hell of a lot unless they, you know, have a close one against Wagner, lose against Purdue and Virginia, who aren't going to be necessarily great teams. Um, but they do get NC State at home. That's four home games in a row. They get NC State at home the weekend before they come to Death Valley and play us. Um, so they could be, they could get beat up a little bit at the same time. Um, I think they'll be undefeated going into that NC State game. And it's, it's NC State will be coming off our game. It's looking like it. I mean, I hate to, you know, start just handing out losses to Tony Elliott, but I don't think he's going to 
you know, well, that's what I was going to say. He's had a this year. <laughs> start. They, they just put up three points against Illinois. Yeah. And, Tommy well, and on the flip side of that, the Syracuse game is for Clemson. Um, no, we get a bye week. It is the game before Notre Dame, but we have a bye week after that, right? Before the Notre yeah. Dame game, which is we won't be looking ahead. Fantastic. We will not be looking ahead. I'm telling you, Ben, I said it in the season preview. This schedule is so nice for Clemson this year. The timing of everything, we get these tune up games before Wake and NC State. There's a bye right before Notre Dame. It's nice across the board. The only yeah, stretch I was just... worried about was two at BC at FSU. BC's 0 and 3. Yeah, BC is not maybe 0 and 2. They feel 0 and 3. Jerkovic is a good quarterback. Boston College is not a good football program. Um, okay, I am looking at the schedule here, though. We do have Florida State at Florida State in Tallahassee the weekend before the Syracuse game. And I know you say we're not looking ahead to Notre Dame after the Syracuse game because we have the bye week, but we've also seen times in the past where the team has been focused too much on the bye week and kind of had a letdown before that. Um you know, heading into that I break. See. Yeah. Um, it's not an early season by, you know, it's kind of in the mid late half uh, of the season. So, right. Let's Halloween see. Bye. Let's keep an eye on Syracuse. Cause that could all of a certain sudden turn into a really big game. I mean, they've given us games before, so. Yep. All right, Ben. Well, uh, that's a wrap for this week. Thank you for joining me. We're going to get Cody on the podcast, probably to do our Louisiana Tech instant reaction recap. We'll get Jarrett back on, hopefully here soon as well. Um, thanks to everyone for tuning in. Thanks for spreading the word about the podcast, leaving us a review. Like we said earlier, please engage with us on social media. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Happy to hear your reviews of the Clemson video board. Anything else you guys want to talk about, let us know. Um, Thanks for tuning in. We will be back soon with more shows coming up. Really looking forward to Clemson getting into ACC play, but this Louisiana Tech game is going to be an important final preparation before Wake Forest. You got any parting thoughts here, Ben? You don't consider Georgia Tech an ACC team anymore? It's coastal. Shit doesn't count. Like, you know, the meat of the conference schedule. Yeah, yeah. Back into ACC Nerds. play. Yes, against non-nerds. Nobody has ever said in the past 10 years, we're looking forward to Clemson getting into ACC play. It's true. So, hey, turn over a new leaf this year. All right, everyone. Thank you again. And as always, go Tigers. probably include Syracuse in that mix. They're they're about a month out. But um this is something he's barking. Oh come here. He sounded like a rooster for a second there. Oh well maybe he should audition (laughs) for the new cock. Yeah. Ollie cock. He does have permanent red rocket since his (laughs) cancer surgery. Because when they sewed him back up, it just oh, kind of pulled things back and uh, <laughs> pulled back the the flap. I like to say he's oh, horny for life. That's that's good. Yeah. Good boy. It's okay. You're barking. You earned it. <laughs>